Hey friends, Justin here. I just want to take a minute before getting into our episode to acknowledge the passing of Power Trip frontman Riley Gale. Uh, really sad news. Um, a young guy with a lot left in the tank. And our heart goes out to his, his friends and his family and the people close to him. I'm a big fan of Power Trip. I love that band. Uh, always love to go see them. Such a energetic, uh, powerful live show, you know. That music has, has for sure had an impact on me, and I'm sure a lot of you. Uh, I never had a chance to meet, meet him personally, but uh, a tremendous presence in both the metal and hardcore uh, community, and he will definitely be missed. So rest in peace, Riley. Swing of the Axe. Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. Whoa. Slow down there, guy. My name is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Okay. I hate slow. <laughs> I hate, hey, guys. Uh, my name is Justin. I just, I just want to say, you know, I had a pretty slow weekend. I'm just going to go right into it. Did Do you? It. I, yeah, I was, um, was going to ask. And, but, you know, you know I, I, I got a lot of champagne. You know, there's been celebration times going on, you know. Uh, rats, yes. Passed Not around. Long. Like I said, sorry, Heavy Hole boys. Like I'm taking kind of deal. But, you know, I'm drinking champagne, uh, you know, staring mm. at the water and just and realize that like you know a lot of people are talking about the new Artie Brain record and how they can't wait for it and I was like man I could wait forever oh <laughs> I could wait so long this guy yeah I could wait so long for it so how you guys doing oh boy uh, doing well feeling wow. feeling awkward <laughs> <laughs> feeling awkward right now trying to advance it oh boy oh man um, times. yeah all right listen um, to, I'm Spinning the Segway on Justin's front lawn, kicking up grass. Tom, how was your weekend? Oh, thank you for asking. Great time. Uh, I did a, a wonderful episode of Roast Mortem last night in which we talked about the Coors family. Oh, Coors. Coors, yes. Coors. Like right. the beer? Yes, the beer. Okay. Um, yeah, fam- a fun family to uh, to dive into the history of. Wow. Roast Mortem, uh, for newer listeners of our podcast, the other podcast on which you could hear Tom weekly. Uh, roasting um, uh, uh, members of society and culture throughout yes, history yeah. uh, mm-hmm. with his compatriots. Yeah. Shout out to them. It's uh, it's where I let loose. This is the more journalistic Tom. Over there, I'm a mess. So if you want to hear me be a mess, oh, go for that's, it. That's Justin's job over here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to listen to that and see if my uh, my theory of uh, you know Grandpa Coors being a werewolf getting killed by the silver bullet, and that's how the whole thing mm-hmm. happened. Is that, with is, the that the is that the allegedly on that? I think so. I think it's kind of Mostly fact, but I don't know. I, I, can't I, say. I know the facts <laughs> on it, and I'll go with allegedly. Yeah. All right. Speaking of segues, though. Speaking of werewolves, I got a beard. <laughs> I got quite a beard going right now. I'm loving the look. Oh, man. I had a, a, a weekend fraught with emotion. Um, go on. All right. This is tough. My, uh, my frog, uh, Antimo, passed away. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah, 15 years, pretty much on the dime. Expected lifespan of six to seven years, so I feel proud. Oh yeah, I gave him the best possible life he could. Uh, we 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 extended his lifespan past 
Um, you know, they tried. They 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 said he couldn't do it. They they, they said he couldn't make it. You know what I mean? He did it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. We, so I buried him with a little tiny American flag folded up in the backyard. Played brutalities uh, in mourning album. Um, like he would have wanted, um, and uh, you know, I salute him for everything he contributed to my life. Cheers to that. That's salute, you know, salute to him, man. Cheers to him on that. Yeah, cheers to you, Tom. Sorry, I don't have a beer, but I, I still right. feel the emotion. All right, I salute your new clean lifestyle that you're pursuing. <laughs> um, so, you know, in all honesty, you know, not to bum everybody out, but there are people who follow me on social media. I've put the pictures out there. He was a healthy frog. He was damn near the size of a hamster when he went. Um, uh, feeding them the live bugs all through the years. A lot of great memories, man. So salute to Antimo. Named after Antimo, of course, the classic bass player slash vocalist of Discords Mexico. Um, but on the upside, I said fraught with emotion. They weren't all negative emotions or sad emotions. Bring us back up. Um, uh, Afterbirth, rehearsing at the rehearsal studio, wow. just just like the good old days. Um, yeah, running into uh, metal uh, friends and allies of Long Island. Shout to Dimension On. Oh, yeah. Friends of the program. Um, you know, working on their new material. Uh, good to see them, uh, you know, being productive, man. So, it's you know, it just felt like, you know, I haven't been to a show in a while now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, all right, we, you know, we, it's good to at least see some people around some instruments, make some music. And um, that was a good look, man. So, you know, yeah, a couple ups, a couple downs. Uh, got a couple of tapes in the mail that I ordered on the cheap. The, the listeners, man, I got to clear something up. I'm glad I thought of this while, yeah, while we're rolling. You know, because I, I, I come off the cuff. Do I ever have a script when we're doing the intros? I've never seen one. Come on, guy. Yeah, you never see it, man. Off, off the you cuff. Don't, you don't even write in script. Yeah, freestyles. Um, yeah, we don't even have scripts. All caps. Yeah, Cool Whip scripts. Yeah. Um, the listeners, you know, I, I know I talk about the tapes. I talk down on the Spotify and on the, the streaming music. I don't care what you guys do. Um, do what you want. If you're streaming my music uh, or whatever you do, you know, thank you. I appreciate that you're even listening to my bands that I, I participated in and all that. I'm not an elitist. I don't want people to get that impression. And I'm also not somebody that pays exorbitant amounts of money on eBay or, or Discogs or whatever for releases. I'm, I'm very thrifty. If you guys actually saw, you'd be like, Will's doing too much. If you saw the lengths I go to to not pay full price... Uh, and get clearance and sales and find places that are selling the tapes for, you know, five bucks, selling the, the records for maybe like 10 to 15. I rarely pay, um, uh, you know, uh, what, what I would call an unreasonable price for something, man. I also like to believe in quality over quantity. I might not be downloading tons of albums each week, but I'm buying a record and spending like a month listening to that over and over again most of the time. So I just want, you know, there's been a little bit of feedback every once in a while, friendly feedback, friendly fire on the, on the Facebook page, man. And, I, you know, I don't care what format people are into. I'm not an elitist with my tapes and my records. But I also want to clear up the misconception that you got to have all sorts of extra money coming out of your pockets to collect tapes and records. You just got to budget yourself and watch what you're spending your money on. And um, we got Google nowadays. Back in the day, you know, it was hard to, like, you know, compare prices on records and look. You know, there's a lot of places, these distros, every once in a while they have a clearance sale or something. Or they have a, you know, a Labor Day sale or whatever, man. Google a vinyl sale and see what distros pop up, man. Support you know support the record stores and all that. A lot of these record stores are doing mail order now. Also, Bandcamp directly from the artist. There you just go. Old, just ordered the latest Rip to Shreds uh-huh. that uh, uh-huh. I brought in on the podcast Love a while ago. Band. Yeah, just yeah. got that on vinyl. That was out deservedly. So you know, yeah. I, but I just want to make the point that I'm not spending tons of money in crazy amounts. I'm not one of those people doing that. If you if you're one of those people, then more power to you, man. I don't know. 
uh, how you do it. But, um, and, you know, I'm also not, like, looking down on people and so, you you use Spotify to listen to Afterbirth. That's wah. I say no. Check no. out the uh, Heavy Hole Spotify playlist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As a streaming-only elitist, uh, I accept your apology. Well, you got to understand, <laughs> for me to keep the purity of conversation that I that I that I'm afforded on this on this podcast that I that I try to you know give people walk the walk. I got to talk how I feel as a fan and as a collector. If I try to do the political, well, I'm in a band and I don't want to offend my label or you know, dude, I, you know that's that's just how I feel as like that's a guy right. who buys music for myself. When it comes to a, being an, in a band and working with labels, yeah, I appreciate anyone who listens to anything I do, whether it's on Spotify or streaming off a of Bandcamp or whatever. And that's the bottom line. Okay. Just don't ask to download a shirt. Uh, whoa. Yeah, you can't download a shirt. I've, you wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> Listen, Tom, before you steal anybody's car, I'll drive you home. But first, I'm going to need you to get the guys on the phone. Uh, we're talking to Necrot, all right? And it's not a throwback where we just play you the clips from when we talked to Chad from Necrot like a year ago. We're getting Luca on the horn, too, this time. Uh, maybe somebody else. Maybe maybe we'll get maybe they'll throw like their uncle who plays the accordion on the phone. I don't know what we're gonna get, but we're gonna talk to uh, Tank Crimes recording artist Neckrot, who just released their Mortal album uh, this past summer, and, and we're gonna wrap this thing up now because you're gonna get him on the phone, right? Yeah, Tom, do it. Put him on the car phone of that 1988 Buick you just stole through the time machine. <laughs> Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast here, uh, as always, with Tom and Justin. Uh, and we got uh, Luca and Chad from Necrot here. How you doing, guys? What's up? Uh, what's up? We're doing great. Thanks for having us. Uh, th- thank you for uh, your time. And listeners of the podcast know that we already have a full episode uh, from maybe a year ago or a little bit longer with Chad, um, talking about all of his projects, the history of Necrot, uh, all that sort of thing, and um, we don't want to rehash anything that we've already covered. We we also want to get kind of Luca's input on his background and a lot, obviously, about the new album. Um, and I would just also preface the interview by saying shout to uh, Dreams of Consciousness, Heavy New York, and Ghost Cult Mag, who you guys have recently been covered by and who I did um, reference as research. Because uh, I don't want to ask you the same stuff you've been answering the last like you know month. Um, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, man. And I'm also so you're going to ask a, b- a bunch of unrelated questions. Yeah, I want to. I'm pretty much it's, it's all going to be about those those, uh, those headphones you got where you got them. No, um, we already asked Chad all this stuff. So, Luca, you know, everybody already knows who listens to the podcast where I'm going. Are you from a particularly musical family and is rock and roll or heavy metal prevalent in your family growing up? Oh, well, my parents, they were really into uh, 70s music and they really like uh, David Bowie, Pink Floyd, all that kind of stuff. Oh, my uncle is is a blues guitar, blues rock and roll guitar player. And he was more into like older classic blues bands, but his favorite band ever is the Rolling Stones. And I think that my uncle has seen the Rolling Stones live over 50 times or something like ridiculous like that. 
right. So my family were not like, you know, they had, they had like, you know, my, my parents, they do have a couple of Black Sabbath LPs, but, you know, their, their heavy, their knowledge of heaviness is, is stopped in the 70s, kind of. They never got into anything heavier than Black Sabbath, really. Uh, that's fair enough. You kind of don't need to. I mean, there's a school of thought that says you, you can stop there, but, you know, it's pretty heavy. <laughs> but, and you're originally from Italy, right? Correct. I'm uh, from Florence, Italy. Could you tell us a little bit about um, what it was like growing up there and uh, maybe getting into music and getting into heavy metal there? Well, getting into music was kind of cool because, like, you know, <coughs> we have, like, a, a squad in Florence where we played with Necro as well called Cipia. And the place is, like, has been occupied for, like, 30 years or something. And, like, they have... Uh, and I was hanging out there since I was, like, 14 years old. And every weekend, they were having touring bands coming through on Fridays and Saturdays, or local bands as well. So it's like the variety was like um, anything that was like alternative, like, you know, punk rock, punk, hardcore, uh, some metal bands, grind, but also like, you know, ska or reggae. And they also had uh, reggae dancehalls and, and sometimes electronic music, but almost never. So it's like, you know, you, in that place, we got exposed to a lot of like, uh, in, let's say alternative music, I don't know, like punk rock, punk, and then all these various other genres. And like, uh, that was like, you know, when I was like 14. So it was like really cool, 14, 15, it was really cool to already be exposed, like, you know, to like touring bands and like, you know, uh, participating because like, you know, everybody was helping out. So participating in a way like, you know, Sometimes I stayed at the bar or, you know, you go and clean out the day after or, you know, you participate in the organization and part of it, of the concerts. So let's say that like in my first year, in my very first years, I was listening to whatever my sister was listening because we were sharing a room and she was two years older than me. So like she had control of the stereo. Course, and she yeah. did like a lot, like, you know, she liked a lot of like boy bands when she was really, really young. But then eventually she started listening to like Nirvana and like uh, some uh, Brit pop bands. Like she really liked this band called Blur. And uh, yeah. I don't know, no, you know, she exposed me like, you know, when I was, I'm talking about when I, I was like 10 and she was like 13. So like she exposed me at least to some Nirvana or stuff that was like that, you know, and I mean, not only boy bands. And then it was definitely like punk hardcore and seeing metal and then grind, see, seeing it happen at the squad. But then what I, when I got really into metal was a little later, when I was more closer to like 15, 16. That's when I was like, oh, I like more. I, I, I was like, you know, I, I really like, I, I always thought that the, the world was super fucked up. And especially when you're like a teenager, you, you feel it, especially extra heavy. You know, you hate everything and you just want to die so it's like you know then eventually you start listening to like you know you start listening to like heavier stuff because it's like you start thinking like you know softer bands are like fake because the world is shit and they're playing like this soft music you know what i mean it's true. whatever yeah, it's the, it's the, so the usual got, you know, yeah, yeah be also because there was like a lot of like at the time in italy there was a lot of like ska and punk rock bands that they were very political and like, you know, singing about social issues while they were like, you know, dancing around. 
And, uh, you know what I mean? It was like, to me, it always looked like very awkward, kind of like weird. It's like, what the fuck are these guys doing? They're like, they have very pissed off, you know, whatever political lyrics, but they're all just, just jumped around like they're super fucking happy or something. So I don't know, like punk, <laughs> punk and metal, they always had more like, you know, more like of a real feeling to me of like, you know, that's what I want, that's what I want to listen, that's what, that's where I belong. That, that, that's always like how I felt, like, you know, and then you start looking for people like, like that around you. Right, if and you're gonna be mad, you gotta go like, all the you way. Know, yeah, but it's not even just being mad because like you're a grumpy fuck. It's like you're mad because it's like you know shit around you is going really, yeah, really no. bad. And like you know you you know you really find like comfort into having aggressive music. It's like it's sick. You know, it saved so many people's lives from being just miserable fucks. Oh. Yep, that's a great point. Yeah. Yep, you look around like who else is as angry as I am right now, and then this helps. Yeah, this is or, therapy, or at least who who else you know <laughs> sees the same things that I see. Um, I mean, if you're you know. not upset, if you're not upset, you live in a bubble. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's that's true, man. And um, uh, that, well, that's interesting because not to jump ahead, but you know, you talk about um, uh, kind of growing up seeing uh, punk and and you know. You know, even ska and reggae, um, in a lot of ways, is, is very political music uh, with certain artists, obviously. Uh, and you're growing up seeing that. You, you end up with more like, you know, your, your foot in the metal scene nowadays, obviously. But you guys are known, especially lately, for being outspoken um, in terms of social justice issues and politics. Uh, that's fair to say, obviously, right? I mean, the thing is that is like there, there was never like... You know, uh, Necro was not, you know, we don't have like uh, uh, hyper political lyrics or like, but like, I feel that like right now, like if you're asked your opinion, you're supposed to say, I mean, I always say what I think of my life and I've always been very critical. So it's like, I don't have a problem at all saying what I think. Like, I think it's ridiculous for people. If you, if you have a problem saying what you think, you're either afraid of other people's judgment or you're an asshole or you're afraid that someone finds out that deep down you're 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 a dick <laughs> i never had a you know i never had a problem saying what i think like you know what i yeah, mean it's like yeah. people can can disagree with me or agree with me that doesn't matter you know it's like yeah let's say like but like you know necro we always have very social uh, political in a way lyrics you know i mean our first song ever is called consume control and it does call talk about consumism and like uh, the control over people that are like like they're forced to buy a bunch of crap that they don't need. So then eventually they feel like they're living, they're, you know. It says like you know trapped like rats in cages of gold. This is like you know lyrics from our first song, and it's like you know we've always had like very punk lyrics. You know, in a way they've always like you know people now they're asking us what we think about society and political stuff because all of a sudden everybody is interested in these matters but like for years we have had lyrics like that and most people didn't even notice mm -hmm. yeah so yeah so it's but it's like definitely it's like you know our influence lyrically comes both from like the more psychological side of death metal the less gory the less the more real side of death metal and it's like you know it's mixed with like you know very crust kind of like lyrics and it's like to me it's like um to me it's like the more real part of death metal that talks about psychology that talks about society because there's a lot of even classic bands that they have in their lyrics things like that 
they are themselves also uh, in a way very political but it's like i think that like lots of people are afraid of this word because it's like it's true and i agree that politics divide because politics is what makes people fight over stuff you know what i mean it's like oh you think like different than me fuck you so I, you know lots of people they're like keep politics outside of music but it's like music is politics and it has always been politics like you know there is no way around it because even playing a music that is ag aggressive and is unpleasant to listen to for most people that's already a very revolutionary stand you know what i mean when you start a grind band when you start a death metal band when you're like you're not gonna play some reggae you're not gonna play some pop music you're already playing something aggressive that most people think that is fucking it is not even music you know what i mean so it's like that's already putting yourself in a certain position. Like, you know, I mean, everything that we do can have a, you know, politics connotation to it. If you analyze it, every stance that you do, everything you do, if you recycle or not, if you wear a t-shirt or not, if you support certain corporations or not, if you, you know, there is a lot of things that you do in your regular life that is already, you know taking a stand in a way or another then if people go analyze what you do and ask you about it they'll find that uh, you know if you don't nobody asks you nobody knows but you're already living your life in a political way in a way or another whether you want it or not yeah and yeah, being a band avoid. you know we have a message we have a message you know we are a band we have music and we have lyrics so it's like you know you can interpret them and you will find a message you know but i think that what's great about music is that it's like lyrics are up interpretation and that's what makes music awesome because everybody can make a song his own like because you can listen to certain lyrics like of certain song and the message can mean something to you eventually very different than what it meant to the artist that actually wrote those lyrics you know what i mean so it's like music transcend music goes a little bit beyond you know, personal is 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 he becomes is becomes almost uh, each person got his different take on a, on an artist or on what they listen to or what their interpretation is of it. And I think that's beautiful of it. Like you know, I don't like I never like to explain my lyrics too much because it's like that's only what it means to me. It doesn't mean that it's gonna mean the same thing to you. It's a good point with the, the political aspect, because even in the 80s with like the PMRC kind of deal, like a lot of the bands that were brought into that were singing about like sex and es escapism. And then they ended up getting dragged into this political landscape just because of their, uh, I guess, at the time, like extreme stance on, on the art that they were putting out. So it, I think it's a great point. Like it all ends up being tied into uh, some sort of social argument. Whether you like it or not, it's, uh, you know, you're part of the equation, I guess, on some level. You know? Yeah, I feel that like, you know, other bands that they're like, oh, we don't talk about politics. That's already, you're already taking, you know, huh. your own stand. And you're already saying something by saying that. You know what I mean? So there is no way around it, whether you want it or not. When you're creating art and you're, you have a message, whatever your art is, if it's a painting, if it's a movie, if, if it's a song, it's like there, there is a message. There's no fucking way to do it without it. What's the, uh, what's the rush line? What, whether you choose to, to decide or not, you still have made a choice, right? That's a rush yeah, line. Come there on. you go. Yeah, come on. Uh, I'm trying to think about like what, you know, maybe, I don't know, what are the, what's the political compass map of tunings, right? You know, is there a more left tuning or right tuning? I don't I, know. Is I there? don't know anything about music school we might get or into that. political science, so I'm out of that one. <laughs> I, you know, 
Uh, ser- no, seriously though, um, I-, I appreciate that, man, and that's uh, you know some some heavy sentiments um, early on in the interview. But sure. I-, I felt like that connection of you uh, maybe early on in life being exposed to outspoken punk and hardcore groups, that sort of thing. Growing up here on Long Island uh, in the '90s, punk and hardcore were a lot bigger than metal, so I was exposed to a lot of punk and hardcore shows at a young age. Food not bombs thing, you know, you donate food at the door instead of paying to get in, political pamphlets handed out, that sort of thing. So I kind of, I wanted to touch on that because you guys have kind of been known for, um, you know, contributing your voice to certain causes lately. Um, uh, but, but you know, moving on, um, I did want to get into uh, your new album, Mortal, uh, as we said on Tank Crimes, released earlier this year. Uh, and as I said, I did kind of, uh, you know, I checked out the, the press you guys have been doing um, you guys have been getting a lot of recognition for this album, uh, you know, deservedly, obviously. And you also have commented on how frustrating it may uh, have been, to, like everybody else, to put an album out, and you're so glad the album's come out, but now we're dealing with all this coronavirus shit. And everybody knows what that entails with the musicians and no shows and all that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, what I wanted to ask you is, like, what have you guys been... Because you've been doing press. Uh, I know in an interview you said that you weren't looking into doing streaming yet, so, like, what do you see the future uh, being, and is there any, like, updates you can tell people about maybe in your area what's going on? Chad? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're just, we're putting, I mean, the album comes out Friday, and we're just going to try to sell as many copies as we can until we can go on tour again. I mean, we don't want to do a live stream and give somebody, like, half, of the experience of what the new album should be like. Our songs, our our band is supposed to be experienced live and not, you know, on a computer screen or a TV screen for somebody at home. (laughs) We want people to be there in person to see it and to feel the energy. And we, we, you know, we feed off of the energy of the crowd as well. Of course. Uh, you know, and that's, that's something that everybody's trying to deal with and navigate. You hear that? We have a little audio now, so okay, we had a little audio blip. We're, go- we're gonna eventually gonna do it in case we're all living underground in bonkers and like you know, right? <laughs> Not writing it off completely, <laughs> but holding holding it holding off a bit. <laughs> and, until you know, we are yeah, all in the virtual world. Fair there enough. is no other option like in a few years and we're still stuck. We're not. We're, we we might do it, but right now we don't feel that necessity. I feel that like is very appealing eventually for bands that are not used to go everywhere and play but like we're used to go everywhere and play the songs and give everybody who likes our band the chance to go see our band so it's like as soon as that's gonna be possible again we're, we're gonna make sure to to do that you know yeah and speaking to the fact that you guys are um you're very much a live band uh and and you know the new album has just come out um what I, what I guess, uh, you know, I garnered from the songs that are available to listen to online and from what you've said in interviews recently is you credit an obvious advance in songwriting um, since, since 2017's uh, Blood Offerings, which is a great album, but you guys have obviously advanced as you should since then. Um, you credit it to hundreds of shows worldwide with uh, supporting Blood Incantation, Morbid Angel, Cannibal Corpse, Exhumed. You've been to Australia, uh, all over the U.S., Japan. I mean... Uh, we talked to Chad, what, a year and a half ago, and it probably seems like a lifetime ago to you because you've covered so much ground since then. Could you maybe talk about how the live experience and the touring experience 
uh, improves and tightens you up as a band um, for, for the perspective of listeners who maybe don't get that? Well, you, you become more confident. That's what I think it is. Because it's like, you know, initially it's like uh, when you survive really long tours of 45 days or more, or, or like, you know, tours back to back, it's like you become really confident of like, you know, I'm able to play 60 shows in a row. You know what I mean? Or, you know, you become really, you feel like you really own what you're doing. And also it's like sharing the stage with such big bands because it's like we, we opened for Morbid Angel for a month straight. Like, you know, the band that was going up after us was Morbid Angel. So it's like, you have to play at your best every night. Yeah. And it's like, you know, accomplish all these tours that were like, you know, we, we've toured in a van, so it's like, and often we tour with bands that go with tour buses. So it's like, it's, it's rough, you know, because they have different schedule, they travel overnight and you're just following up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, and also it's like, Touring a lot makes it so that you have to do sacrifices in your regular life. And I feel that like, you know, every time you make, because you sacrifice like, you know, having a normal life to be on the road all the time, pretty much. And all that comes with it. So it's like, you know, even when you know, I think that like some strength also come from knowing what you sacrificed for it. You know what I mean? And also it's like, I mean, to be more practical and less abstract, here is like you know you just learn also from like you know being able to listen to our album blood offerings for a long time acknowledging what was the things that could have been done better what were the aspects that we wanted to um, have more of it in the next album immortal is like you know we were able to like you know grow get more tighter on our playing together get more like you know we're more of a team even more than before it's like uh, all these things that like, you know, you improve by playing a lot and by playing a lot on the road and by playing with bands that are better than you and by playing uh, in different countries and still being able to like, you know, have a great response from the band, all the, from the, from, sorry, from the supporters and it's like from the fans, like all, all, all these things, they make you feel more confident. All these things, the more you go on, like the more you get better, and the more you get validated, and the more you get validated also from people that have been doing it for 35 years, like, you know, some of the people from bands that, like, for you were, like, you know, these legendary mythological creatures <laughs> before you met them and played shows with them. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, I think I think all these things together is, like, they really makes you a better player, and then the result is better. And, like, I also think that, like, the fact that we're a big team, us, with Scotty from Tank Crimes and Greg Wilkinson from Here Hammer that record us and Marald in the Netherlands doing our artwork. It's like, I just think that like, you know, this whole theme has been together for a while and now we all want the best for each other. You know what I mean? So there is a constant push to do the best you can, not just for yourself, but like, you know, for everybody's in, involved because it's like, you know, people that believes in you because it's like Scotty is like, you know, he's not like a, He's not a corporation record label. He's not Sony. He's not Columbia. You know, he's not a nuclear blast. He's like, he's not like play. He's not a record label that's got like tons of employees and like, you know, it's like the risk is real. Like, you know, when Scully decides to invest a lot of money on us to give us the push and the distribution that we need that is equal to these big labels, it's like if we write a shitty album that doesn't sell, 
we are all getting screwed. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's like there is a real, you know, there is a real push to do the best you can for your band members, for your record label guy, for Greg that records you, for, for you know what I mean? Everybody's hoping the best for everybody else. So it's like you get an extra push from behind. Well, I'm going to throw a big will under the bus here. Um, we went bye bye Bia. and and saw you. <laughs> we went and saw you uh, play with uh, Cannibal Corpse, and um, yeah, Cannibal Corpse, Morbid Angel, and Blood Incantation. We did. We saw that. You told me you were like I. I have not listened to Necrot yet. And, and when and when and when he left, when you guys were done playing, he went over to the merch table and bought the vinyl. Yeah. And was like, damn. So yeah, I'll, I'll admit like, I'll admit that I had not heard you guys at a certain point in time, and then I heard you guys. That's well, and, yeah. That's, and, I'll, and I'll even throw if we're throwing everyone under the bus, fine. I'm going to throw every single Necrot fan under the bus <laughs> who had heard you. There was no, a point in their no, life no, no. before they well, heard Necrot. I mean, all right, thanks, Will. Thanks. That's not really what I was trying to get at. There, <laughs> so uh, I, I was joking I, around. I saw the band live, and they were sick, so I paid money for their album. Thank you. Oh, what an asshole. Will, fuck you, Will. <laughs> why, did, why did you do that, Will? I uh, know this guy. Man, oh, come man. on, man. You should. You should. You should have listened to our demos. Back yeah, when the body I, gave that's what I'm saying. That's I'm just trying to call you out for not yeah. being cult enough. I wasn't. Man, in, I can't I, even make that happen. I wasn't in Oakland getting the rehearsal tape at the gas station. I'm sorry. Jesus. Man. I saw Necrot was playing that show and I didn't show up because of that. That's oh, why. Oh man, go, yeah. man, you see how Listen. hard it is for me to have fun on the show. Blood, Inca- <laughs> Blood incantation. Yeah, this is the end of the interview. Yeah, that's right. No, no. Thank you for thank you for not knowing us before you know us. <laughs> Blood incantation is the first death metal band I heard ever, ever. And that's I only went to that show because I heard Morbid Angel was a death metal. It's amazing. Band. It's, it's a hard amazing. Time right I'm just loving this, this hard time right now. Dude, I like spun him around and threw him under the bus. You saw that? Like WWE, it was great. He threw him into a fucking burning zeppelin. What Back is this? Suplexed. This is so fun. Next question. Go ahead. All right. Fine. What, I'm gonna shut up. I believe what Tom was getting at is <laughs> the live performance. The live performance. It. it was great. It was good. We enjoyed it. Awesome. <laughs> Superior. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Talking about your superior live, your superior record collector-inducing live performance that you're world-renowned for. (laughs) The next thing I wanted to get into was um, being world-renowned, traveling the world. Maybe just give us a few thoughts, Chad and Luca. I'll I'll spit out a few countries because it's places I've never been. I don't know if you guys were there before Necrot. I love this game. Let's talk about Japan. What's up with Japan and Necrot? Oh, shit. That was a crazy experience. (laughs) We almost died. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Go for it, Chad. Okay, so we were flying from Australia and um, we were having a kind of a bit of a stressful uh, couple of days because we couldn't bring all of our stuff with us. Because um, basically, like, we went from the States to Australia, toured Australia for like two and a half weeks, and then went to Japan. We we're going to play some shows out there. But, like, on the way to Japan, we couldn't bring all of our stuff, so we were kind of, like, scrambling, like, trying to figure out what we can bring, what we can't. And then um, we, you know, we have, like, a really, I, I don't know, how long did it take us to get to Japan? Like, I mean, the, the uh, thing is that we were playing hours. a show. We were on tour, and the last show of the tour was the night before the morning that we were going to fly to Japan. Yikes. So yeah. we didn't have much time to get ready, and it's like there was a problem with the luggages, with the weight of it, so that we couldn't bring everything. We had to leave shit behind. 
But that wasn't even the, the big issue, right? <laughs> oh, I was getting to that, but I was just saying, like, we traveled hours to get to Japan, and then we were basically like flying into like the the heaviest or like the biggest typhoon of the year, and like. I've never been in a typhoon. I didn't know what to expect. We were all kind of nervous about yeah. it. There was, so, yeah, there was a Category 5 typhoon hitting Tokyo the day after we were landing there. Uh, Damn. And, uh, <laughs> me and Luca went around Tokyo when we got there. We were trying to find cardboard and tape and like tons of supplies to like hold us over wow. in our Airbnb for like a couple days in case we got like flooded in. And like the person we were staying with at the Airbnb was like kind of like confused by it, but also like stoked that we were. She was like, stoked. She was this weird lady. <laughs> it was. It was. It was so wild. And, uh, I don't know that, but you know everything was fine. Luckily, the typhoon missed us at the last minute, and then we played the shows in Japan and had a great time, and then we went home. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we went home. The, the going home was pretty nuts, too, because oh my we accidentally God, <laughs> we fucking went to the wrong airport and we almost missed the fucking plane. <laughs> and then when we got back, our flight from LA to Oakland got canceled and ended up losing all our luggages and instruments and everything. At least was the way back. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we true. were like, you know, a day before flying to Japan, like we found out about the typhoon at the sound check of the last show and we had to fly out the morning after and it was like, there was all the alerts that said like, you know, don't go there, are you fucking stupid? So we were like, what the fuck are we gonna do? Yeah, what are we gonna do? But then it was like, you know, fuck it, we're going, you know, we have to at least, you know, we have the plane ticket and all. We guys, yeah, Tokyo, who were you playing with? Genius. You were playing with the, the show, Japanese the show was band? Great. Were you playing we with played, a, it yeah. was a, it was the Akasu, uh, Asakusa. What's the fuck is the name? Asakusa? <laughs> How do you say it? Sounds close. I don't know. Asakusa. It was a fest. There was um, a bunch of bands. Chad, Pestilence, um, uh, Faceless Boreal, uh, Unforgang, Frenolith played. Um, Sick. What was the super cool Japanese band? Uh, super fast. Coffins played. There was Chad, another word. Chad, you've played drums in Frenolith, right? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> for a week. <laughs> yeah, because their drummer filled out the wrong visa uh, to get into the country. He's Polish, and he filled out the Danish visa paperwork like an oh, idiot. Oh no! It was a mistake. It was because well, they're they're mistake. a Danish band, so I guess he was from Poland in a Danish band, and I, that's. I could, I, I guess, I could see where you get there. Yeah, no, it was a mistake. You gotta help out a friend with a need. You know? I, I'm, I'm a Polish, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an ethnic <laughs> yeah, so, so Polish Chad, myself, Chad, so Chad we gotta chill on the like, jokes, all right? Chad learned like 20 minutes. He learned 20 minutes worth of set and played for a week with friendly. In the U.S. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, on the West Coast, I had to learn it like the, the day before the tour started, and uh, I tried as best I could to learn as much, but you know. Tough, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they yeah. were sick. I definitely <laughs> good band. No, you you happened to mention them talking about Japan, and I I, re I remembered that. Good band. I like Friendly. Um. Okay. Let's. So. Yeah, Japan. That was a treacherous experience. Some good tales. Yes. Let's talk about Australia. Oh, Australia was probably some of the best time of our lives. No. Mm -hmm. 
I had such yeah, a great, great fucking time. It was excellent. I will go back in a minute. No, that's so fun. We ended up with the best with people. Basil's burial was so sick, and like Max and Fuge and Alex, they like told it was like you know the two power trio bands going across Australia together. It was really fun, and they're super cool. And they, you know, Max like set up the whole tour for us and and drove us and and like handled everything. Like he's the they fucking. They treated man. us super well, for real. Yeah. Shout out to Faceless Barrel, just put out a really sick, sick record. Like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Sick. But also, like, we did a, a driving tour of Australia. Like, you know, most bands go there and they fly from a city to another. They play three shows and they leave. We actually drove through the whole uh, <laughs> east coast of Australia. Okay, all right. We, we played all, we played all the small towns, smaller cities. It was fucking red. <laughs> it was so cool. That's all the yeah, we even played in Perth, which is like the farthest. What, like, one of the farthest Biggest cities? City. And you drove the there? The farthest, biggest city. No, no, we, we flew there. Oh, okay. That was yeah. the only... We did all the West Coast, and then we flew to Perth and flew back. Yeah. Play another show in Melbourne and left to Japan. Our shows in Australia different from any other kind of show. It's got to be a way. <laughs> well, the thing is that Melbourne is, like, is comparable to, like, a city in the Pacific Northwest in the United States. I would say, like, Portland or Seattle. There is a huge scene, a lot of bands, venues, the shows were sold out and packed. And then it's like uh, other cities of Australia is not as, is not as, um, the scene is not as strong. So it's like, I will compare it to play like in a smaller city in the US during the week. Like, you know, you have smaller shows. Sometimes the venues are kind of like weird It'll be like a sports bar, but like, you know, it's the only place in the whole city where they let them have shows. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it was kind of hit or miss, but every single show there was people and they were really fun. And also it's like the whole experience was great because it's like in the main cities, the shows were actually excellent. And also it's like every moment we had free, they were taking us to like the beach. They were taking us to get really good food. It was like so fucking enjoyable compared, like, you know, we didn't have to drive a single time. There's way more psychotic. It was so mellow, like, you know, it was so compared to like a hardworking US tour, it's like it was like a vacation for us, like 100%. Well, that's, I'm, I'm glad you said that because my next question, um, talking about touring the US, you said something before, uh, a small detail that, that I really remember from my own experiences being on the road. Um, with, with my bands. I haven't toured as extensively as you guys, but one thing I remember is touring in a van, supporting, um, at the time we were uh, opening up for Cattle Decapitation, and another time was Black Dahlia Murder. Big bands. We were little fish. We were lucky to be there. And one thing I noticed is we were in a rental van. They were in a bus with a driver, and like you said, those bus drivers, they drive from like 2 in the morning to 8 in the morning or whatever, and they're there when, you know, and, and the guy, you know, the band gets to sleep, generally speaking, and get a shower. Whereas your supporting act, you know, you're in a van, you're driving overnight, the, the guy, you know, the drummer or the singer or the guitar, whatever member of the band is driving the van, you're doing a marathon shift to get there. When you do get there, you don't have a big uh, uh, reserved bus space, all the, you know, like they have all the time. Sometimes the supporting act is on their own. Could you speak to that? Am I right about that? Yeah, sometimes you have to like, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll have space for everybody. Sometimes you kind of like got to figure it out. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's not easy, but it's like, you know, it is a step that is necessarily because it's like, you know, we have done extremely successful underground tours. 
where we were the headliner or co-headlining with other bands like Undergang and whatnot. And uh, like, you know, you can still pack venues of like 200 people and it's like everything is easier because it's like you can get to the venue like at 6 p.m., you know, instead of like 2 p.m. And uh, the venue is not extremely gigantic, so lots of time you don't have problem of where to park or whatnot, you know. Sometimes these gigantic venues, you're like, you know, you park in a, on a side and everything is, is, is on another side and then you have to like, you know, there is people helping you carrying the shit. And then it's like every, like, you know, from your merch table to your van, you have to go through, you know, who knows how many fucking doors. So it's like, you know, it is more complicated when you play bigger venues and like, you know, like these big bands that have tour buses, they have employees. They have people that move their shit. They have people that figure out their merch. They have people driving their tour bus. When you're a band like us, you're doing almost everything by yourself. Like usually we go, the three of us, we bring a sound engineer because we want to sound good. And then we bring a roadie, which usually all the, usually does the driving or most of the driving. But then it's like there is everything else that we're doing ourselves, like, you know, the merch and, and, and everything from loading, unloading and all, all of that. So it's like, you know, when you're on a big tour, the amount of work is a lot. And, you know, for bands like us, we cannot really afford to bring more than two people that we pay every day. You know what I mean? So it's like the, the, the amount of work is a lot, but at the same time, it's like it's what makes it like more more real. You know what I mean? It's like that is also what we're used to it. Like, you know, we have never done a tour where we didn't have to bust our ass. So it's like, he, and we still haven't done it. So it's like, it would be like weird. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's, it's like, yeah, well, no. For us, it's the normality because it's like, you know, we're always busy on tour. That's the thing is like, we're always busy. We always have to do something and it's like, Eventually, then when you have a bunch of people doing everything for you, then you don't even know the fuck to do all day. <laughs> you have guitar lessons. I don't know. On Skype. I don't know. Um, right? Some people do. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope one day we get to do a more comfortable tour. But like, so far we have been doing most of the work ourselves for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, see chips. I would see chips the whole time. Yeah. Doritos, all the chips. Well, yeah, a lot like of those bands like great, get, you know, for you. Orbit Angel gets chips in their dressing room, man. They don't, they don't got to ask; they just get them. Um, you know, but we're, you know, talk, talking that's about the that. Goal, man. Free chips. chips. Yeah, yeah, free chips. That's that's the dream. Free chips. Um, that's the dream, right there. Yeah. Free chips. Free chips. Touring at free Mexican chips. restaurants. Free chips. Chips and water. Um, but, you know, talking about, and also another thing is a lot of these larger venues, they want you there. If the show starts at 7, you might have to be there at 2 in the afternoon to load in. Look, man, it is, it's, sort of there is a lot, of, a lot of tour that is a pain in the ass, but it's still way better, million times better than anything else I can think of. As far a as, like, you know, absolutely. something like, you know, where you're actually, like, you know, doing some kind of, like, Making as money. a profession, you know what I mean? Totally. It's like, you know, of course I can imagine going to the beach and, and drinking <laughs> margaritas. But like, you know, as far as like something that, like, you know, where you can create some money doing it and like some kind of lifestyle out of it is great. You know what I mean? It comes with a lot of sacrifice and hard work, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Well, what else is like, I mean, I've worked in restaurants for years and shit. And it's like that, that shit ain't easier. Yeah, but, no, you know, mentally, not. it's very stressful as well to be like, you know, always serving people. You want more water or well, I don't give a shit if people want more water. You know what I mean? Mm. What the fuck? <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta do it, you know, for years. And it's like, you know, one day you, you gotta, you get to do something else. And it's like, 
It's a lot of work. Yeah, fuck it. It's yeah. great. <laughs> you well, know, I, I have no complaints. That's, that's what I wanted to um, get at, though, because sometimes, um, you know, I've had, and I, I know friends of mine who are in bands, friends of mine who are in bands that are maybe a little bit bigger and get more promotion and stuff like that, there will be those people in your local scene who have a little bit of jealousy and envy, and it's like, oh, you, you got to open up for Black Dahlia Murder, you got to open up for Cannibal Court, you're lucky, you're, you know, this guy, da-da-da, and people will try to downplay the amount of work and sacrifice that goes behind some of those things. And I think people don't realize that when you sign on to those bigger tours of support like that, um, you know, a lot of times you end up working harder and maybe uh, making a little bit less income even than you would on like an underground headlining tour. You know, it's it, there's a big difference oh, that people don't see. Besides that, it's like if I worked, if I still worked as a waiter in a restaurant, I mean, besides the pandemic, I would be making way more money than I make with the band. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's like it is also a sacrifice of like your lifestyle is like you know what I mean we still live with like you know I'm 33 and I live with roommates and I don't have a car yeah <laughs> you know what I mean I, I'm laughing because I can relate and I'm older than you <laughs> so it's it's, right. it's, it's the death metal you know lifestyle I mean? like to, to support this touring lifestyle is like you cannot you know have a lot of expenses back at home where you're not gonna spend much time anyway but like, you know, these people that are envious of people doing something with their life is not just, I mean, some kinds from, some comes from a misconception that music and, you know, that like success come from out of nowhere. Like, you know what I mean? Someone heard yeah. your song and all of a sudden exactly, they throw yeah. all this money at you or whatnot. That doesn't exist. And some people have this misconception. So it's like, they think that you got, that you won the lottery. You know what I mean? But like uh, these kind of people, they exist outside of music too. Like, you know, try and be successful or really good at something else. And you're still going to have people being like, oh, you motherfucker. Haters. <laughs> you know I mean? you got to <laughs> work. You can't win. Always haters. I mean, try and do something good. Like for real, if you go feed the homeless, there is always even going to be someone who says like, Oh, he just does it because he wants people to think he's a good guy. That's me. Like, I you know, whatever you do, whatever you do in this life, there's not always gonna be some asshole who's gonna say that you suck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's always haters. Uh, all, all great people have haters. It's true, man. Endless breadsticks doesn't mean you can get all the breadsticks. They cut it off at some point. That's just all I want to say. And that's really just a metaphor for life, just too. Just so you know. Just you can so have you know. so much fun, but you gotta put the work in too. Sometimes you gotta. You gotta make the breadsticks yourself. You gotta, yeah. You gotta put in work to, to reap uh, those rewards. It's, you know, it's not as easy as just hopping on stage. Um, and I mean, lots of people, like you know, they have like you know, they'll say something of you that like, oh, they're jealous of your lifestyle. But then at the same time, you go see, and eventually, like you know, they have a stable job. They were able to keep a relationship with a with a woman for more than six months. <laughs> They had like you know eventually they're they they they're able to buy a car and, and yeah. you know what I mean it's like you yeah. know they don't realize that it's like you know there is a lot of it that you, we don't kind of get to do because our life is a little bit too crazy you know what I mean yeah it's not just so the like, music that's know, like make um, your choices yeah it, it's not just the music that's like counterculture the lifestyle that you have to put into it like you know you can't. Your paychecks come in irregularly, and all the other little things that come in uh, being in a touring band. It's uh, uh, you don't get those consistencies that we value as like working citizens, you know. Totally, totally. So it's like you know, make your choice, really, and it's like you know, stick with it. But it's like sometimes it's like it's easy to make of what other people's life some kind of like 
utopia perfect like you know oh look at them they got all these things you know what i mean is like every choice you make come, comes with good and bad and like as long as you recognize it and as long as you live accordingly to what really makes you happy and you're okay with you shouldn't be looking at what other people are doing too much that's that's right and like on the heavy hole podcast like we're also respectful of your of your health and you heard it here first on the podcast guys do what makes you happy you do what makes you happy. You, That's the first time. This is the first this. time anybody's ever heard this before. <laughs> as long as it doesn't, like you know, hurt anybody else. Other people, That's yeah, right. other people's freedom and shit. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you talked a lot about uh, touring, um, being on the road, the work that goes into the band. You guys have obviously put a lot of work in these last few years. Uh, with the new album, I do want to talk a little bit. You've covered in other uh, interviews extensively how there's been a big jump in the songwriting, uh, and you explained already in this interview how you can credit that to, to the development of the band playing live, you know, touring so much. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit like the what struck me as a listener, as a fan, objectively, just kind of checking it out, is obviously there's... Uh, like an old-school element to it there. It also seemed like you guys are garnering from... Uh, maybe like a wide variety of influences within death metal I don't want you to just I don't want to be like what are your influences the generic question but maybe like what is what is some of the stuff that you guys have been keeping in mind and being inspired by since blood offerings like what's what's new in your death metal radar in your hemisphere of death metal mm, for me it was more like uh, improving on ourselves like yeah. More than looking at what other people are doing, I was more like, what is our strength? And let's work on those. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, um, we each have, like, you know, we are not, e each one of us, we're not like 100% uh, musicians that can play anything or any kind of music and we're good at everything. We're good at specific things. So it's like, I felt more of like, you know, um, Improving, for example, is like, uh, for example, my easier is, example is with Sonny, our guitar player. He's like, you know, he's a really talented uh, solo art. He can do really good guitar solos. And like, I worked a lot in thinking on like, creating rhythm parts for his solos that would be more catered to like, his talent. You know what I mean? Well, because like before Necrod was, um, me and Chad started the band without without a guitar player. So it's like I was recording the guitar in the first two demos, and we were practicing actually drums and bass and vocals. <laughs> it was like for 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 more than a year. Wow. And uh, but like uh, you know the, the way I was songwriting, I was writing the songs for Necro was always like in a way that they would sound great without the need of a solo or without the need of some guitar parts so it was uh, very much uh, kept together by the riffs you know what i mean every riff needed to be sick on its own that didn't need a guitar on another guitar on top of it doing something else so it's like initially when i wrote some of the parts for solos for sony in the abyss in our latest tape or in blood offerings some of those rhythm parts were also meant to be standing on their own without the need of a solo and then I was kind of requesting Sonny to soloing on top of it you know what I mean yeah while in this record I kept in mind more of a perspective of like 
sometimes some very more more sim simpler uh, riff uh, parts, rhythm parts for the solos can be more effective and can give Sonny more room for him to like, you know, really express his talent to the fullest, you know. So like, I in this record, I, I thought about that. I thought about creating rhythm parts uh, for guitar solos that were very engaging, but like in a way that was like simpler for him to have a lot of room to create. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then it's like, yeah. you know, uh, Chad is an insane drummer and can do almost anything he wants but like definitely is like you know his double kick is super powerful and like you know he plays super tight when he plays uh, faster rhythms or mid tempos so it's like you know I kept that in mind too you know what I mean and it's like uh, I, I also wanted a few a few blast beats a little bit more than the last album like you know there was a, a few things that I thought they were directly inspired by blood offerings. You know, like, how do I improve this? Because it's like, we we have our style and it's like, you know, that that's what just come natural, you know what I mean? But now it's like, how can we improve our own take on death metal? You know, how can we make it so we can each express ourselves at the best? You know, I also had like vocals parts that I wanted to try and I had in mind like, in a sleep forever, I did that in mind to create a more like mid-tempo, more melodic uh, song where the vocals were a little bit more drugged and a little less uh, blah, 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 you know what I mean, or whatever, where the vocal pattern was a little bit different. And like, you know, these, these were things that like, like I wouldn't be able to like, you know, because my vocals improved too by touring a lot and singing every night for so long that it's like, you know, I also had the possibility of writing songs that were a little bit more challenging on the vocal part because I was able to do it while before eventually I, I wasn't, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think, like, you know, all of these, I think that like the inspiration came more from our, within ourselves than outside, but also definitely like, you know, it was a great inspiration and because it's like, you know, we tour with Morbid Angel, Cannibal Corpse, Immolation, and these are bands that definitely are part of the bands that inspired our band, you know, and, uh, but like, so it's like, you know, we already knew their music. It's not that like, oh, all of a sudden we tour with Immolation, we're like, oh, look at what these guys are doing. We already know all their albums really well. So it's like, yeah. it was more like an inspiration of seeing people that they're like 20 years older than us or more that they're like, still doing it with a good uh, epic to do it. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, like, you know, they don't seem like that, like they do it because they need to, but like they do it because they still enjoy doing it. Like to me, it was, more, it was very cool to see, you know, people that they're still doing it after so long and they're still able to have a great time and sound super sick every night. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it was really good to see that part because there is a lot of death metal bands that they were super important to death metal, then now they suck. Or eventually they've been sucking for 20 years, you know, or eventually they've only <laughs> put out yeah, one good records or two, you know, I mean, totally. Instead, you see bands like Immolation and they're still putting out super good records and like, yeah. you know, their attitude on the road is like, is like the one of a band of an underground tour because it's like from the first day, they're super friendly, they 
offer you to use their equipment if you need to. They like you know what I mean, like completely yeah. like the same mentality that you would expect from an underground tour. So it's like that was really refreshing too. You know what I mean? To see that it's possible eventually to to become a bigger band without turning into a, some kind of asshole or like losing like you know the the, the continuing doing what you're doing even if their shows are get big got bigger for morbid angel immolation and whatever but like they still have like you know that good attitude to it and it's like that that was thing that was like inspiring not as much musically but like you know in a, just more like you know in a way of like feeling that you're doing like you know that is like it doesn't have to be like you know sometimes you're scared of like really sharing the road with those myth mythological legends people that, you know you never yeah. know intimidating no intimidating yeah. not that much because it's like because we've always been like you know pretty like you know we've always felt like we were ready to kick ass like you know we always have that punk attitude to ourselves that like we know that we're good and we we're not scared of playing right before Morbid Angel, but I was more scared about meeting people that I respect a lot, and find out that they weren't what I thought they were. You know what I mean? Yeah, that you don't want to you don't want to meet every one of your heroes. Yeah, but that's really interesting no, though because it was great. It was really cool to to meet our heroes. You know, it was fucking cool, and like now <laughs> we're still talking and friends and like. Is really really cool. Then people that yeah. are down to hurt and they understand, like you know, it's a cool. That metal is really cool yeah, because it's like it, it is an underground music that, like you know, they got their moment and some kind of ex, some some kind of view in the mainstream, but it does remain some kind of like a successful underground story. You know, even for the bigger bands. Yeah, absolutely, man. For um, some of the bigger bands, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. Like what you're saying is not only is there a, a, a progression of your band sound because of the reps you've been putting in on on the road and figuring out, um, you know, what you guys do best and accentuating on that, but the inspiration of the generation before to kind of like keep the inspiration going to see that it's okay to still be doing this. You know, it's okay to put yourself into it because those dudes kick ass and just keep being kicking. Yeah, you know what I mean? it's a it's it like really it's cool a to be on tour with them for sure like an artistic uh, maturity as well as like this like mental maturity as far as uh, staying in the scene and keeping it going and I think both of those together are super important and like pretty interesting and probably the exactly, key to, yeah. probably the key to longevity but I don't know hopefully but yeah I think so definitely definitely the key to longevity is to like you know don't forget your roots you know don't forget where, where you started and why you're doing this like you know and it's like ultimately because like you 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 fucking love it and it's like you know it, it was your reason to be before you know you were able to make some money off of it it was it, it was for many years for us it's like normal it would be it would be very weird not to have a death metal band you know <laughs> yeah heck yeah yeah um and you know speaking of death metal bands uh, I don't know if, I don't know how you would classify but you guys. Also, just quickly before we wrap up, I wanted to give a little bit of uh, shine to Orificial Purge, uh, the latest album by Vastum, a band that you guys also play bass and drums respectively for. Uh, that came out in 2019 on 20 Bucks Spin, if I got it right. And um, maybe just could you tell us a little bit about being the rhythm section for two bands that obviously don't sound exactly the same, but are coming from a similar territory? Um, like, what are the differences in, in writing, composition, and your approach to those bands? 
Well, Vastum went through a lot of phases. And we went through a lot of like, uh, like for real, because Vastum started in 2009 or 10. So it's like, it's been, a, we've been around for 20 years with Vastum. And it's like, initially it was, <laughs> it is kind of crazy. No, so to 10 years. Yeah, round, round up. Yes, round up. Good. Round up. Yeah, good night. <laughs> 20 years. 10 years. But it's like, you know, initially it was more of like, um, I don't know, it went through a lot of phases. And it's like, even the songwriting, has, has never been like uh, we never wrote songs all together like you know mixing riffs together it was always one person that would bring the song from start to end and like uh, the the songwriting has been always initially was mostly Kyle that also played in Acephalix that was writing the majority of the songs and some songs were written by Leila and I wrote a song this is the first album and then um, so Kyle was, I feel that Kyle was the one that gave it more of a direction initially with this kind of like mid-tempo, doomy, trashy, death metal. But then Kyle, after, on the, on, after recording the second album, he left the band and got replaced. And at the, at the same time, we recorded the second album with a different drummer. And then now, the, and the third album, and then Chad recorded this one. But like there is different uh, imprints to me, I can hear him because I am in the band and I know the history of it. To most people, Vastum just sounds like Vastum, like because it's like, you know, our guitar tones and like, you know, of course the vocals and the styles of the solos kind of ties it all together. But to me, Vastum has got all these different songwritings together that like they're very specific to the songwriting of of each person like like now there is shelby at the guitar and he writes a lot of the stuff and he's like he writes uh, stuff that is very much uh, shelby to me like you know what i mean and then i listen to songs that they were kyle's and I, they're very much kyle's songs and layla's songs are layla's songs and my song sounds different and like it's really cool because it ties all together into a band that's got a lot of different sounds into it and I feel like, you know, even like this latest album, which added the drums, sounds really sick. And like, but it's like, you know, you can, to me, it's like, I can tell that he's a different drummer because every single Vastum drummer has always had a very specific, unique kind of drumming style. Because the first drummer, RD, had a really, some stuff that was almost like some shit that came from like jazz influence some of the stuff that he did on the symbol that they like stupid shit like that and it's like you know what i mean but like then you have uh adam perry that was the drummer on patricia last and all below that he was very precise but like he has a style that is very mechanical to me as a very mechanical sound he hits really hard and he's very it's like, it's like his sound is like his very caveman. I think he was really great, amazing for Vastum, but like he's also someone that is used to play way faster because he's the drummer of what's his band? Fucking his hardcore band, do you know, Chad? Because I, I always forget yeah, the band's Enemy name. Soil. Enemy Soil, thank you. Thank you, Enemy Soil. So, so anyway, he has a very specific. Game, yeah, he, he has very specific drums, drum style, and Chad's got his own that I think is like, you know, is the more complete of, of the three drummers. But like, you know, at the same time for me, every, you know, there is different drummers. There was different, uh, different main guitar player when not uh, writing. So, so it's like Vastum's got a lot of like different periods. 
And to me, they all sound like Vastum, definitely, but they also all sound very different. But I think this latest album came out great. I really like it. I mean, but there was there was also times where Vastum were practicing all the time. Then there was these times that Vastum never practices. Then there is times that like Vastum is like his own uh, word. He's like he's like so weird the way Necrod is always uh, you know something we're always doing, always talking about. Vastum he has this like bursts. It's like all the sudden things happen and then silence for a while and then it's kind of like a different kind of like monster. I mean, when I when I got back in Vastum for this for this album, I just like went and and I guess just in Vastum in general, I just I didn't want to be like known as the the drummer who fucked it up or some <laughs> shit or remember <laughs> who joins who joins the band and then and the they put out a shitty album. <laughs> <laughs> so so I was like really trying to like you know match the feeling of RD and Adam as far as like you know the style that they both brought to it but also bring my own style because you know that's why I was brought into the band is because I'm also a good drummer and that you know they want me to play the drums so it's like I you know I just wanted to make sure that I you know gave I paid homage to the to the people before me but also you know bring my own you know flavor I guess or skill yeah. to it i just you know i because i really like before i was even in vastum i would see vastum locally and i would you know i'd be like oh this band is sick and then i got to join vastum and it was it was rad because i liked the band a lot so it was cool to finally be in the band and then you know you don't want to you don't want to not impress you want to bring everything you got and and do it right so I think that's that's where I was coming from with Orificial Purge. I just wanted to do a really good job for the album, just because everybody was going to be expecting to hear a good album. And I feel like we got a lot of good reviews. And then, you know, of course, there's always going to, like Lucas said, there's always going to be the asshole who hates whatever you're doing, regardless. So, <laughs> yeah, unavoidable. Well, yeah. Well, uh, you know, speaking of good reviews, um, you know, we we do want to be respectful of your time, uh, Chad. As as you as you know, we do on the show. Before we let you guys off the hook, uh, we want each of you to recommend for us one classic album and one newer album by any artist, any genre. Just uh, just something for us and our listeners to check out, and we can say, hey, the guys from Necrot told me this was cool. I mean, the newer album would would be the Faceless Burial. I think he's really sick. I mean, the, the thing is, I, you know, I, I really feel bad to never recommend uh, the Blood Incantation new album, but uh, everyone's I heard it already. That everybody already <laughs> know it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, this is what goes without saying. Type deal. Because, yeah, it's like we love each other and we're like we're on a chat together since the tour and like we were friends since before and it's like we we never end up mentioning each other bands because we always assume that. People already knows it, but like you know, the new Blood Incantation album is super sick. Highly recommended uh, for our, and for our listeners. If somebody has not heard it uh, yet, um, if you're living under a rock and getting this podcast on <laughs> cassette tape delivered to you, yeah, don't know how uh, you're getting it like that. Yeah. But 
But yeah, that, that new blood incantation is definitely sick. Hidden history of the human race. Good band, good guys, man. I love those guys. Um, and and look, the, the faceless burial one is 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 is, 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 as, is as good as the blood incantation. Is really sick. Um, and uh, uh, who knows more about ancient Egypt though? That's the that's you know real talk. Um, <laughs> but but what's what's your uh, but what's your old pick, Luca? Ancient aliens. Well, the old pick, like only one. Water in the space. Only one old pick, whatever it is. Yeah, just, you just have one. to be yeah. uh, death, human, or immolation uh, down of possession. Mm, strong, yep. strong. Yeah. You had to pick one, it's those two. Yep. <laughs> if I got to listen to one death metal one, album, it's both of those. <laughs> those those two. Yeah, Can't argue with that. Nine, yeah, 90 minute cassette <laughs> with one on side A and one on side B. That's, that's right. That's that, ca that counts. Perfect. That counts. Chad, what about you, man? Uh, and, and don't say what you told us last time. I don't even remember. That'd be so do I. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. Bolt uh, Tower Realm of Chaos. Bing Always. Bing bong. Uh, if, I, if I said that last time, then fuck. Now you, now you're fired. Listen to it again. It speaks yeah. to the earnesty of it. That, Double down on uh, that album right. day. It's all right. That, that's got it. I come back to it every single time. And I just, it's like, it's just such a powerful album. Like, it. I don't know. It, it's sick as fuck. Um, Interesting to... to I'm, I'm sorry, just to interject. Knowing your drum style, having heard a lot of your bands through the years, interesting uh, that you bring a bowl thrower, because I can hear the, the relevance, but, um, and, you know, in your drum style and that sort of thing. But, yeah, but go ahead, sorry. Oh, uh, no, I mean, yeah, I, I totally use bowl thrower influence on everything. I mean, I, I would say bowl thrower is, like, number one and then nihilist. <laughs> sense yeah for sure um and then new album i would say oath of cruelty uh, um their newest album uh it came out on dark descent last year it's fucking awesome it's like morbid angel meets like pleasure to kill creator meets fucking like i don't know like blasphemy or like one of those sick ass black metal war metal band type shit they're yeah. they're fucking rad and then uh warp chamber um yeah, their newest yeah. album that album was really good um yeah i mean blood incantation they're fucking awesome great new album and then yeah faceless burial super sick we i got to hear it way earlier before it got released so i've been like I've been a little uh, spoiled. Uh, feels good, <laughs> right? Been good, stoked yeah. on that. Yeah. Is that Oath of Cruelty uh, summary execution at dawn? Yep, that's there it. All right, Justin with the research right there. I love it. Yeah, uh, I, I was having trouble coming up with the title, so my bad. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> got that, each other's back. We, yeah. we're, we're always we taking it. notes here. We're not <laughs> as smart as we sound. Yeah, we got we got all the research right here. And we don't um, sound that nice. smart, so. <laughs> um, and 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 with that being said, uh, um, Mortal is your new album out now on Tank Crimes Record uh, with Necrot. And as we said before, um, or Official Purge, if I said it correctly, on Twenty Bucks Spin came out last year uh, by Vastum, a band that both of you are in as well. Like we said, also featuring uh, Shelby from Ulthar, a band we've covered on the podcast as well. Um, but uh, anything else um, other than that, other than those plugs that you guys want to plug, talk about, messages for Necrot fans or listeners of our podcast? Well, Necrot fans, they're too all tight. They will play live again as soon as, uh, as possible. But 
you know, listen to the record and uh, if you can uh, buy the record and uh, support the band or the record label and uh, nothing, just to be safe and like, you know, don't, don't go nuts because <laughs> shit, is, shit is insane <laughs> and we yeah. all know it. Things are not easy for anybody right now, but we're happy that we have this album and I really hope that people gonna dig it and that they're gonna enjoy it and like, you know, listen to it and make them feel better about everything. We all yeah, need we I all need death metal. When time gets tough, you only, yeah, you only need death right? metal more. Some good albums, That's right? Some good albums, <laughs> and I, I think we I think we did a really good album. Like you know, not just because we did it, but like I think it's a great album, and I think people should should listen to it I, and enjoy uh, it. I will agree with you on that point. Uh, Chad, any parting words for Necrot fans and listeners of the Heavy Hole Podcast? Uh, just yeah, I mean, stay safe. Right now, it's pretty crazy out there and it's still i mean there's no end in sight for the pandemic even you want to believe it or not but i mean i definitely want all of our fans and and everybody to stay safe so we can get back to doing shows and going on tour again um i just want to say thanks to scotty at 10 crimes and liz at ear split um greg and alan for working on the album and Meral for doing the artwork Phil and Vicky at Pirate Press, and you guys, thank you again for having me. Round two. <laughs> <I'm so laughs> there you go, totally. Man. It sucked to have you yeah, guys Pi- on. Thank Pirate you. Press, Pirate Press, they print some really amazing merchandise for us. I think they're the best t-shirt making people for metal bands that I can think of. We're super stoked to that. Like, you know, they put so much care in what they do. And they're like, you know, we know him personally. We have known him personally before starting to ask him to make our merchandise. And we're super grateful for these people because they're like, you know, they they come from a similar background than us. And like, they're really passionate about what they do. And it's like the way they translate the colors and everything on their t-shirts is, is, is extremely impressive. I think that like, you know, they make amazing stuff. Like, you know, I recommend it if you have a, a band and you need some t-shirts done to go through fire fire press in pittsburgh so they're in pittsburgh right yeah pittsburgh right on shout out to fire press cmyk Absolutely. 666 all that stuff yeah we're doing it i love it we're yeah. gonna hit them up we need some shirts yeah, yeah pirate press we're looking to get into the merch game beyond uh, just the stickers we got now so that's good don't you good want tip. a shirt with will's face on it good like we all need it like we all <laughs> we need it yeah, we, we, you gotta say like we all fucked up he didn't know the band before knowing it. How, yeah. Remember to let you live that down. <laughs> this is the last podcast I'm on. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we, we found out today that Tom's an elitist Necrot fan. Yeah. It's easy. That's me. You know where I stand. The back is like, yeah. are you from a particularly T-shirt-wearing background? Or Tom's something got like the that. rehearsal That's tape. Oh, God. Uh, thank God this is a podcast. You can't see how red my face is. All wow, gets I feel like a big only, old stupid. Only the Patreon people get to see how red Tom's face is. All right, listen, uh, Luca and Chad uh, of Necrot, and also both of Vastum, not to downplay Vastum, thank you so much for your time, guys. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast, and we wish you um, the best of luck getting back to a productive work cycle with the bands and with the craziness of the world right now, man. Good luck with everything, guys. Thank you. Thank you Cheers, so likewise. Much. Cheers, brother. Hell yeah, boys. We'll, we'll be in touch, guys. Thank you. Take it easy. Take care.
was our interview with Luca and Chad of Necrot. And as I mentioned, both guys also in the band Vastum, which we recommend as well. Uh, and, you know, just again for the listeners, you can go back and check out our interview with Chad from Necrot from about a year ago. Uh, for some maybe some more backstory of Necrot that we didn't get into this time because we wanted to talk uh, about the new album, about Luca, about touring and, and all that sort of thing, man. So shout out to those guys. Uh, we appreciate their time. And um, I, I do enjoy that new album, man. It's, it's like I was saying, they kind of made some leaps and bounds uh, in terms of their, their, like, their personal growth as a band, their tightness and everything like that. Uh, but what I'm really curious about is if you guys have made any leaps and bounds in uh, listening to new music and recommending it to your friends. Oh, boy. Wow. It's a great uh, Paul Blart-inspired segue right there. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hop on that, too. The let's peanut save- butter just fills the cracks in your in your heart. You remember that line from let's, Paul Blart. Yeah, let's save yeah. them all right now. So uh, check it out, guys. Uh, I'm bringing in a brand-new Gulch. Mm. Wow. This wow. Is a, this is a two-timer on the recommendation. This is a two-timer. What a name, right? Oh, so, uh, So last Gulch I brought in was a little two-song demo uh, previewing this full length that they had just come out with uh, last week. We're listening, you know, we're recording this right now in late yes. August. Uh, so Gulch, their new record, Impenetrable Cerebral Fortress. Mm. That's a locked mind right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Out on Closed Casket, man. Uh, Southern California's Gulch. I like this band so much they could be from Australia. You know what I mean? The sound is... is you know what I'm talking about. It has Tom. a wild, uh, dry sound. For it. sure. Yes. Uh, so we, what we have here, man, is 16 minutes of visceral, intense, grindy, metallic-inspired hardcore. Uh, pure fucking aggression with flashes of, of quite creative, like, get-down grooviness, uh, I feel like. Uh, I, I really like uh, the technical aspects of this band, even though that that's not what people kind of gravitate towards. Um you know, you want to you, you punch your friends, you want to jump off the stage, this is that, but the riffs are there, man. The riffs are good, and that's what I'm always drawn to. Uh, I love this this raw, like, excited production style. Uh, it's got the perfect level of murk without really being murky. Um, yeah, this is uh, produced by Jack Shirley of Atomic Garden Studios. He's produced a couple other records that I like. Uh, you know, the, the, the most recent Oathbra- Oathbreaker, that Rhea. Uh, Gouge Away's uh, Burnt Sugar, which was a great uh, punk hardcore record that came out, and uh, Graf Orlock Collection, which I'll, I'll be bringing them in soon because that's a grindy punk kind of hardcore deal that I, that I love. But uh, yeah, I'm, I want to turn you on to Gulch. If, if you don't know, uh, listen, because you know they're mostly associated in, in, in this sort of um, like new resurgence in SoCal hardcore, I feel like. Uh, they had a they played This Is Hardcore Fest in 2019 and absolutely killed it. Uh, convinced these, you know, really stuck up <laughs> New England, New York hardcore kids like that. Uh, that I, yeah, I sometimes am a part of with with this 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 newer kind of SoCal brand, and it, it, it fucking kills. So I love it. Uh, what else am I gonna say? Gulch, listen to it. You know, I gotta say the name Gulch. Uh, reminded me of like brutal death metal. The cover art reminded me of sketchy occult black metal that I might not even uh, know about because it scares me. Um, yeah, but and then that. when you listen to the band, yeah, very unexpected. Uh, I kind of like the way they play with aesthetic. I'll, I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting band art, like you know, in terms of the art they chose, 
Uh, and yeah, they, there's, I really love the way the drums pop on this recording in comparison to, you know, in, in uh, contrast to the rest of the instruments. It's a really good production, too. It's a really interesting record, and I just had to comment a little bit on that, that cover art that, to me, would be more in place with, like, uh, I don't know, like, like Mystifier or some, like, really obscure occult kind of, you know, foreign black metal band For or something. Sure. Interesting choice, uh, a little disturbing, thought-provoking, but uh, a very um, cool band, cool album. Yeah, when I was a kid, I, I used to, my, my dad would take me out to this spot in Montauk uh, where you could just walk up into your ankles of water and you just reach in and just grab some blue claws out, called it Crab Gulch. And that's always had a heavy weight in, in, you know, in, my, in my memory, my childhood memory. So I, this band Gulch, I feel like it was destined that I would, I would be into this. This week, I'm bringing in a new release by the band Evil In. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Uh, their EP, Inside Shells. It's not a Manicotti reference. They're just <laughs> they're uh, they're doing something real deep in there. I uh, wish it was. It might be a Manicotti. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to uh, deny that it could be a Manicotti reference. Yeah, you know, i got to leave myself that, that, that space where I can recant that statement. So I don't think they are talking about it. But either way... Manicotti Records. This was released, uh, self-released, August 21st. You can find it on um, Bandcamp.com if you haven't heard of it. I don't know what to say to you. Uh, this three-piece has balanced some very ugly noise and some riffs very well here. They seem to have thrown anything catchy out the window and instead... Uh, attach themselves to detail within the noise they're creating here. Uh, you are listening to something that could remind you of all kinds of things, falling logs, dirty rubber bands. Mm. And I, I, I did enjoy it. The, the, the music is uh, punctuated. It shifts gears a lot. It's not necessarily what I would call like tech death metal, but it is very technical um, in the composition. This is somewhere between like the, the fans, for, for fans, between like defeated sanity to behold the octopus. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you just said um, because uh, like that behold the octopus style. That sort of like I, I get it. Um, this is kind of maybe a little bit more palatable in some ways uh, to people like me who aren't um, like you know music school types. Uh, and I say you know I say that with all due respect to behold the octopus and bands like that. But this is just, it's a little bit more, you can wrap your head around it a little bit more in certain ways. I see that. This actually reminded me a lot of Obscura by Gorguts, which is kind of almost mm. like a textbook reference nowadays. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk about, like, it's almost like, you know, beside the point. Like, of course, everyone reminds you of that. Who uses dissonant style riffs. But, but really, it's got the right. loose rubber bandiness. Yeah, this, this seems more true to the spirit of that album. Uh, I feel like a lot of bands using that dissonant buzzword, dissonant style death metal, uh, you know, 
maybe they're influenced by Gorguts, but I think uh, maybe more even so by, like, you know, From Wisdom to Hate and the later Gorguts after Obscura, because this seems to capture that, like you said, that elasticity, that spastic kind of um, explosiveness of uh, Obscura, but with a slightly cleaner production, uh, a little bit more accessible production that I like. Yeah. I mean, you know how we love to draw, like, threads here on the heavy hole so like we're listening to inside shells crabs are inside of shells right that frequented the gulch the crab gulch of my childhood which brought me to my recommendation gulch then. right so, not a connection i would have made but you uh you've spent more time in the gulch than here we are man yeah yeah, yeah. i'm and i'm embroidering the threads right now yeah of our future patches on heavyholepodcast.com uh, <laughs> slash shop bingo and uh, shout to uh, Anthony Lapari. I noticed good to good to see that name come up. Anthony Lapari. He's been involved in quite a few projects over the years. If you if you if you try this um, Evil in and you enjoy it, you might want to go back and look his name up. Uh, quite a few other kind of dissonant technical uh, projects, metal and otherwise, um, through the years he's been involved in. Uh, I, got, I got the chance to meet the guy once or twice through the years on the road too. So shout to him if he happens to be listening. Uh, glad to see you're still being productive. Uh, and this is a great project. Um, highly recommended. This artwork looks like a like a Judas Priest artwork that was that that was just too extreme for them. You know, interesting choice. Lasso the cube. That's what you got to do. Lasso that cube. It's got eyeballs on it. Perspective's different. What you you can at? see at least six different angles at any time if you're a cube. So uh, shout out to cubes. Tonight, I brought in Broken Hope's Grotesque Blessings album. Thank you. Uh, because I feel like Broken Hope does get a lot of shine nowadays. Um, there was a time where I felt like people forgot about Broken Hope or something, and I was sad about it. And I, I would talk to my cat about it. But that's a whole other story. Um, uh, but Broken Hope gets shine. People in this like OSDM day, this brutal death metal of the 90s kind of uh, appreciation moment that a lot of people are having. People talk about Bowels of Repugnance, Swamped and Gore. Maybe even you go to Repulsive Conception. But I feel like later era uh, original run Broken Hope, I should say, because they are back now. Um, the Joe Thassic, uh run of Broken Hope, classic singer, rest in peace. Uh, this album in particular, Grotesque Blessings, gets left out of the conversation and maybe forgotten a little bit sometimes. Um, it was their last album before uh, the band uh, broke up for the first run of the band. And their final album, like I mentioned, with Joe Thassic on vocals, uh, Rest in Peace. Um, one of my all-time favorite and, and inspirational death metal vocalists uh, from when I first got into the genre. Uh, I, you know, I was really, you know, uh, I felt a certain way when, when I found out the man passed away and all that sort of thing. But... Um, this album, uh, again, like I said, even for the people that appreciate the cleaner, more technical sound of Broken Hope that they exhibited towards the end of the first run, people will usually go to loathing for that. Uh, but this album has its benefits as well. Uh, really, uh, just a classic tech death album. I feel like Broken Hope were ahead of the curve with um, Brian Griffin's, uh, guitarist Brian Griffin's production style that he brought to the band and developed over the years that kind of ultra-clean, ultra-tight, ultra-dry tech-death sound where you could hear everything very crisp. He was ahead of the curve and kind of noted for that back in the late 90s. 
And this album is like the, the pinnacle of that. I believe it is the last album with Brian Griffin sharing guitar duties with Jeremy Wagner. I don't think Brian Griffin returned to the fold when they um, got back together. But um, besides also being the last Brian Griffin, Joe Thasic, uh, original run Broken Hope album, this also... Uh, has Long Island connections related to stuff people might know about if they're on our Patreon. I talked about uh, Long Island. I talked specifically about late 90s uh, internal bleeding-influenced death metal on a Patreon episode a while back and on a bonus Patreon episode. This actually has Ryan Scamenti, who people would recognize as being the bass player vocalist of Disfigured from Long Island and one-time internal bleeding singer on bass on some tracks, and uh, classic internal bleeding bass player uh, Brian Hobby on bass on some tracks, who people might also uh, remember he's in uh, Mortiferoth from New York right now that I talked about a few episodes back. Um, Both those guys make appearances playing session bass on some of these songs, a uh, very interesting album for bass players in general or fans of bass and death metal because you get three different bass players um, performing on this album on different songs. Um, not to uh, sell short, um, Mike Zwicky, who apparently uh, I guess is maybe more of a, a session bass player throughout the years in certain metal albums. Uh, Malediction, Necropolis, Arctic Symphony. I don't know his work as well. But those two Long Island guys with that internal bleeding and disfigured connection is interesting. And this is just something... You know, Bowels are repugnant. Swamped and Gore obviously has that stamp of being kind of proto-brutal, ignorant, guttural death metal. Uh, whereas this, I don't feel like gets the credit for being proto-tech death. For your fans of uh, your more like, like I say, sometimes music school death metal bands, maybe people into Archspire, things of that nature, uh, this album deserves a second look. Grotesque blessing. I just got completely knocked off course because the YouTube video we're watching is displaying a picture of a cassette copy of this album. <laughs> we'll just start sweating. I, I, <laughs> the, the, I, the objective has changed now. <laughs> yeah, my, my broke. I own this album on CD, and now that just flipped my whole shit. Go, I, I'm about to go on Discogs when I go home and get the cassette. All right, listen. But it's a great um, forward-thinking tech death album from 1999 that I believe the production and songwriting rivals uh, some tech death death albums recorded today. And um, one of the best uh, qualities for me personally that I enjoy about Loathing and about this album, the latter era Broken Hope, from the first run is the ultra clean, ultra dry tech death production mixed with the sewage pipe, disgusting vocals of the late Joe Thasic. So rest in peace to Joe Thasic. Uh, much respect to Broken Hope of the past and of the modern era. I do enjoy the new albums, but this is just something from their catalog that I felt people should really give more respect to and give another chance if you're not as familiar with it as I am. Uh, rest in peace to Joe Thasic and big shout to Brian Griffin, whatever he's working on now. Hell yeah, dude. I remember the first time I met you when Tom introduced me to you. We were sitting around the table in his backyard, and we were talking a little bit about death, you know, music and, and death metal and stuff like that. And I, you know, I was mentioning that you know, I was really into like Spawn of Possession and Psychroptic, like that early Psychroptic and stuff like that. And you you turned me on to Broken Hope for the first time, and you were like, you know, have you ever heard this band? And I was like, no, I'm just a little boy. <laughs> and and you were like, yeah, you know, check out Loathing, you know, this, this, and that. So. I loved Loathing so much that I had to, you know, had to, you know, dig through the catalog. And this record was it, like echoing everything you said about that dry, proto-tech uh, death kind of thing, which I love discovering, like, you know, from the '90s and early 2000s before uh, it, it became that that like that true subgenre that it is today. And uh, yeah, thanks for bringing this in, man. It's just uh, it's 
Every, it's everything you said. It's it's important to listen to. If uh, if you give any of those other bands that I mentioned that you mentioned, like Arc Spire or anything like that, in the more modern sense, uh, if you give them the time of day, there's there's no reason you shouldn't be listening to this, man. Because it's a uh, it, it also has that bop. You know, it's got it's got a little bit of that groove, like a little more of that groove, I would say, than uh, than most of those the the modern tech deck bands have. Yeah, well, you got to keep in mind it's 1999. As I mentioned, you got two guys that are affiliated with Internal Bleeding playing bass. Uh, so this was very much in the climate of late 90s brutal death metal, which we've talked about at length. Uh, you know, the Malignancy interview we did, the Long Island uh, Patreon episodes I'm getting involved in, the um, the deep dive in the subgenre, uh, subgenre marine episode about Vomit Remnants in those bands. The late 90s was all about that brutal, groove-oriented death metal coming of age. And there's a little bit of that being, uh, you know, like on display here. Um, from you know, you could see you could see that it crept into the technical writing, which for me that's when like that's when you make the cookie right, and it doesn't bleed into the other cookies. It just comes up all perfect, like with all the other. That's just the best. It's the best recipe. M and M's on it, allegedly. Yeah, you get, yeah. You get your chunks in there, but yeah, but it's perfect. Drink that shit with some almond milk for my people. You know, my hipster people. Some people make sourdough, yeah. and when it comes out good, that's what this band is. <laughs> <laughs> Wishing you uh, our most grotesque blessings here on this episode of Heavy Hole Podcast. Love this album. Great. We were just, we got wrapped up uh, reminiscing and talking about what a great album this is. I really do enjoy this album. I enjoy the uh, the albums that you guys brought in as well by Evil Inn and Gulch. Thank you for your recommendations. You did not let me down. Um, and we all enjoy that new Necrot album, Mortal, available now on Tank Crime Records. Uh, thanks to Chad and Luca from Necrot for their time. We appreciate talking to them this evening. Um, make sure you check out that new Necrot album as well as uh, Vastum and all the other bands that these guys are involved in. They got a lot going on. Uh, Mortuous, I said the list goes on. Uh, follow them on social media, all that sort of thing. They've been getting a lot of press, as I mentioned lately. We acknowledge our our um, our, our metal media, uh, you know, uh, peers, um, you know, or, or, or fellow uh, media personality, so to speak. I, I I do the research. I watch the interviews. I don't want to come out with a half hour worth of a podcast of one of these guys repeating something they said already, right? No, I mean, um, I, I had this thought earlier um, while I was loading in to do the podcast tonight, and. Uh, that idea of loading in threw me threw me back. Ooh. You know, like playing yeah. a show. I was like, oh, I, I would come oh. I come over here with all my gear and I set up and all that stuff. And then secondly, on top of that, uh, the, when it comes to the podcast shit and all the, the the other cool death metal or heavy heavy music underground music podcasts, there's like it's like bands. There's no competition. We mm. we throw. There's no shade. No, um, no shit. We, 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 we promote other. If, if you like this podcast, go check out other podcasts that do a, a similar thing to us. And yeah. start, as a matter of fact, or even start your own. Yeah. Which, by the way, I don't know if you guys just saw me do like an alley oop with the segue. But anyway, we have a um, an episode dedicated to advice and tips uh, for starting podcasts, engineering podcasts, editing podcasts, booking guests, all that, all that sort of fly shit that we have. 
down to uh, an imperfect science um, uh, filled with mistakes here. But we still, you know, we got every once in a while we get a question. You know, what sort of program does Tom use on the editing? And I'm, I'm like, ask him. What the fuck? But uh, we, you know, we recorded a whole episode talking about all that crazy stuff uh, for some friends of ours um, in another country, uh, starting a podcast, and you can hear all about it coming up soon. Um, we're going to drop that for you. I just had to, uh, you know, enact that information for everybody. Of course, man. thank you. You know, yes. um, other information. Uh, if you want to buy a heavy hole podcast sticker pack, uh, you can go fuck yourself because you didn't do it yet, tough guy. You know, come on, they're thank sold you. out. Thank they're you. done. Thank you. You should have done it. You should have <laughs> done it already. Fucking missed out. They're gone. All right, I'm here at Justin's house. I don't see him. Might have a random like one sticker or something that will give you if we see you in person. We but have them. You don't. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You don't. You. Listen, no, nobody. They're, nobody who listens to this podcast should go fuck themselves. I apologize. I got a little worked up. I was looking for a sticker pack for my grandmother. Didn't have one left because you guys bought them out. Thank you for I'm buying sorry. all of them. I'm sorry, guys. I got a little up, up tight. It's, I'll order a special one yeah, for your grandmother. We were talking about salty death metal guys before, and I got a little bit of that spirit in me. But listen, uh, the sticker packs are done. I support it. We're going to make more merch soon. We're talking, to, to, talking about T-shirts, talking about um, uh, coffee cups with the little... Uh, coffee grinder attached to the bottom, and That's it's right. got a wind-up horn oh, on the side to listen to the radio oh, if the power it. goes out. Hell yeah, dude. And it's also a gas mask. I I just made it up. Yeah, I just made it up. That's also, why we do a podcast. We're creative. Right. Also, if we get enough financial headroom, I am totally for heavy hole podcast segues. Oh, uh, we're getting the segue. Yeah. Yeah. Financial headroom, uh, the the name of my hip-hop mixtape. Amazing. Yeah, that I have to write now, because after you said that. Alright, listen, we're getting crazy now, but uh, heavyholepodcast.com if you want to check us out on all the social medias. If mm-hmm. you're interested in our Patreon where we upload bonus content and yep. exclusive content and you get things early, all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And we do it on the cheap. There's yeah. nothing crazy. No, it's nothing crazy. You can yeah. uh, check out the pictures of our, all of our sold-out merch because yeah. we're kind of a big deal. Oh, and you can, yeah, <laughs> check out the bonus episode about internal bleeding-influenced bands that I was talking about. We got videos we're working on now. It's all wild up there on the Patreon. Thank you for your pledges. Uh, and if you listen to every free episode uh, like a cheapskate every week, we still love you. Thank you very much. I love you so um, much. But you know how much money you could probably donate to us on the Patreon. Yeah, you probably get one. 